Welcome to The Real Spotlight, episode 14. In this episode, we have a special interview with young filmmaker William Atticus Parker. At only 18, he already has one feature-length film under his belt and another one on the way next year called Atropelius. I chatted with Will about his films, his process, his inspiration. Also for this episode, Mani and I will be discussing the real recommendation she gave me, Sunshine by Danny Boyle. I'll be giving her another recommendation from me. And we're also going to talk about the plethora of movie <laughs> trailers and TV trailers that came out in the last week. Mania, how are you? Well, <laughs> I had I had the I had the flu, Tony. It was not fun. But other than that, I'm great. <laughs> no, you are Mania's battling it out here. She's a tough cookie and she's she's reminding me of uh Michael Jordan and the game five of the NBA finals in ninety seven when he had the flu. Oh my but he, god. <laughs> but he did it for his teammates. So <laughs> Yeah, it was this year has been tough for me as far as getting sick. I feel like I got sick so much this year, but I'm here. I'm alive. <laughs> I thought before you joined the Zoom that you were going to sound like you were dying, but luckily yeah. you sound much better than I was expecting. Yeah, it's honestly, now that I'm on and for recording, I realize it's not as bad as I thought it was. My voice, not the sickness. I was very sick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's start this podcast with the interview I did with uh, William Atticus Parker a few days ago. I'm interested to hear what he has to say about his movie and just being a young filmmaker in general. All right, let's go. Here we go. Interview with William Atticus Parker. How are you, Will? Hey, Tony. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, thank you. I wanted to say I was, I think it was early this year that you um, sent me a message and you're like, hey, could you check out this movie and review it? And I go, okay. And I was kind of like nervous because I've never had somebody send me a message and say, review my movie. So I was kind of like scared as well. I'm like, what happens if I don't like it? <laughs> like, how do I, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do I not be mean? But luckily I did like your movie. So yeah, the movie you sent me was 40 Winks. And I wanted to ask you, when did that project start? Yeah, so I would say it started 2021. I knew that I wanted to get my friends together to 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 make something over the summer because we had all been away and some of us had been quarantining out of New York City where we where we all live. And so I kind of wanted to find a way to to bring everyone together. And that started as a short film and then just kind of blossomed into something so much bigger. And the closer and closer that we got to the summer, the, the more and more we realized how much bigger this thing was. Uh, mm -hmm. The cast was growing. You know, we actually had sets and costumes. And uh, and so that was really the base of just production. But the as for like the idea and the writing of it, I usually start with uh, an employment for my movies i start with the employment of the characters because i think a lot of the stories that i like to tell are character driven and so it's it's super important that uh they're multifaceted and one of those one of the things that comes with that is just what do they do i had always been interested in in telling the story of a hypnotist and kind of following that journey, what that's like day-to-day -day life. And I was like, how can I put a spin on it? How can I put a twist on it? 
And that's where the, the hitman hypnotist idea came from. We would follow this character down the rabbit hole. Because uh, I knew I wanted to tell like more of a character study than your traditional story. Well, you casted that pretty well because uh, Justin Marcel McManus has that hitman <laughs> look. Awesome. Was, yeah, he, he looked. So he kind of reminded me of John David Washington, Denzel's son. Uh, so, but you said you started this in the summer. You mean like the summer of 2021? Like when you yes, started? Sir. So like in New York, it was still kind of, there was a lot of lockdowns, right? Yeah, we were one of the first uh, productions to kind of get back at it. I think it was June, like very late June to the beginning of July. Those were filming dates. And so we had those dates in mind. We were able to do like, not rehearsal, but we were able to get over, get together on Zoom and kind of talk through the characters. We really took our time in that pre-production process because we only had five and a half days to shoot it. COVID restrictions were so intense that we only had 10 hours from when we arrived on set until when we left. Uh, and so, and, you know, packing and unpacking equipment can take up to an hour and a half. So some days when we had location changes, we we didn't have too much time to film at all. So when, when you say COVID, like, is there like somebody there to make sure you're adhering to the restrictions? Like, how does that work? Micro low budget film, which is, I think, how ours qualified. Yeah. Uh, which I can get into. But there wasn't anyone on set. It was kind of just a code of trust between really just SAG and I. They just make sure that we were, you know, following the rules. So make sure that the actors are masked up until filming. It kind of there was just a, a almost like a rule book that we'd follow uh to ensure the safety and then of course testing and stuff like that yeah uh, but yeah especially since you only have five and a half days you can't afford for anybody to get covid last year was 10 plus days now it's five days yeah. i think but you yeah. know having a five and a half day shoot with somebody <laughs> having to be gone for 10 days that would have been yeah really then they're bad. out yeah yes you sent me the link to review the movie i went into it blind and i'm watching the movie and then all of a sudden i see john Turturro, and i go what is going on here? And I see Susan Sarandon and I go, okay, how did, how did he get these legends to be in his movie? Like, how, how did you get to Turo and Sarandon to be a part of it? Like, did you send them a script? Did you know them? I've known Susan all my life. I've, I've known John as well. Both of them have been, Susan especially, figures in my life. And so when I was doing this, I knew that I'd want really supportive figures on set, uh, people who I looked up to. With Susan, I actually wrote the part with her in mind. It was, it was really about, you know, having people on set where we'd create an environment where people felt, you know, looked after. Even though John only ended up being there I think he was on set for maybe less than 45 minutes. We we kind of just shot his scene and he was out of there. And I remember mailing Susan the script and just writing her name on it. It, it was really surreal. And also she's like so unbelievably funny. Like there's, yeah. there, we have an extended blooper reel with banter between her and Dan Finnerty. I just want to mention to everybody that Will's mom is Marie Louise Parker. And his dad is uh, Billy Crudup, who you recently seen in the morning show with uh, Jennifer Aniston and uh, Reese Witherspoon. I, I can't remember. Did Sarandon ever star in a movie with your dad or mom? 
Or did they no, just know each other because they've been in that actor circle? Yeah, so my mom and Susan have known each other for a really long time. I don't think they've worked on anything. Let's hope I'm not leaving anything out. I don't think <laughs> I am. I know that uh, John Turturro has, you know, has, of course, worked with my mom a lot. Neither of them have worked with my dad, I don't think. Because one of the things that I wanted to do with the production was I knew that if I had both my parents, either one of them really either acting in it or producing on it or doing anything, I wouldn't feel as though it was as much my film. You know, I was yeah. like, that connection is always going to be there. And I'm always going to have that leg up because of that. Yeah, you know, uh, you're trying your best not to be seen as a nepo or nepotism or you want to try your yeah. hardest to get it done on your own that way there's that no was, like yeah. oh that's Curtis's son or parker's yeah. son you know you don't want that you want to have your own name and that's and that's what was so cool about like almost everyone on filmstagram i love that term by the way yeah. it's <laughs> so good yeah uh has just been figuring it out and i like that because you know it's it's really getting to form connections without you know that that knowledge and that was another thing i i raised the money for both movies on my own just by getting a bunch of jobs over quarantine and so both films are actually uh entirely self-funded i actually learned that last night because i heard you I listened to a podcast you were on with uh, oh, was that with Alicia Alicia, Alicia Christian. Yeah. Uh, so I was listening to her um, podcast, and I did learn that you self-funded both uh, movies, both the movie you did and the one that's upcoming. But let me ask you, was it easier or harder to direct Sarandon since you've known her your whole life? Were there still butterflies in the stomach before you said oh, action? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like... No, I was... I was looking at her like before the first take and it's like she's the sweetest human on the planet. In the back of this your mind, is... you're like, I'm about to say action to an Oscar winning actress. Exactly. <laughs> 100%. I was like, I think in the end it made it easier because we do kind of have like really with all of the actors, either, you know, from the get go, I'm I'm a huge believer in, in kind of, you know, not going heavy on directions when it comes to especially like interpersonal things with actors. Yeah. I like to let them, you know, figure it out. Well, were there times between takes where you, where she gave or any of the actors said, Hey, what, what if I did this instead? Oh yeah. Whenever I hear an actor say, what if the answer is almost always going to be yes. Unless it's something like, what if we had a helicopter fly in and I jump on it and go out to the sunset? Yeah. I mean, I'd probably try to, try my best to figure that out how to yeah. do that but like when they get to a place where they feel comfortable making decisions or come up coming up with ideas on behalf of the characters that's when i know they get, that they're yeah, they're invested they're invested they, yeah. they now they know the characters and so turning it down would be a disservice I think to everyone. So I, I was up for that. And so definitely incorporating everyone's ideas is like completely a necessity to me yeah. on set. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of a funny uh, story that uh, Sasha Baron Cohen said about Scorsese when they were filming Hugo. And he's like, I would give Marty some suggestions. And he was all, all right, let's try it. Like, it doesn't matter how crazy it was. Oh, and, yeah. he, and he said that Scorsese is like, he never said no. He says, let's try it. Let's see what happens. We'll film it. We might not use it, but 
that's good that that you actually you know try to incorporate their suggestions because yeah i can imagine as an actor you're it's deflating if you went to a director and said what if we and they're like just stick to the script don't i don't need yeah. your input yeah no it's one of the most important things on you know on set for me is like making sure that that people know that like if you have one line if you're a pa whoever you are even if we're, you know, talking about a technicality that isn't in your field per se, you know, like cinematography, if you have an idea about lighting, about production design, about anything to come to me, to come to anyone and to bring it up, because not only will we have a safer environment, but I think we'll come out with a movie that that makes more sense as a whole. Uh, because we have so many ideas that are being with thought behind them. You know, they're not just random, like they're, they're ideas that people are putting thought into uh, because they, they care about it and they care about the process. Yeah. So before we talk about your new film that's coming out next year, I had a few questions that I wanted to, to ask. So was being part of the film and like TV community since basically the day you were born, was that a big factor in you pursuing this career? I mean, yes, just yes, yes, and yes. Okay. I mean, like, I think, you know, what was interesting is I was almost just convinced that I wanted to be an actor uh, for theater. I mean, I, I still am in a lot of ways, but like fully, com I was fully committed to that, you know, up until maybe three years ago. Um it was really like when I started writing feature length scripts that I was like, you know, starting to shift focus. Uh, but I always knew that I wanted to be in that field. You know, I was lucky enough to get to explore and and kind of see different uh, sides of filmmaking and television making from such a young age, as you said. So I when you were no, so when you were old enough, were you taking mental notes on rehearsal and the blocking and the lighting and how they set up the shots and, and, and anything where you're like, Hmm, okay, this is something well, yeah. I'm going to do. Actually, were you on set a lot with your parents or is that something? Yeah. Is that, okay. I would so when so. you were there, were you excited to go? Cause you're like, okay, I wonder what this director is going to do versus the last or always. Uh, I mean, there, there were several, cases of me staying on set you know uh when like my dad needed to go to his trailer to get a break i'd i'd just be like he, he'd be like i need to go and you know get some water and i'd be like i'll wait because it's just like every element of it is so interesting they can yeah. be it can be pas moving a plant and i'm just like okay so what does that do for the world you know like what are they doing right now was always a question that would come up lighting you know like kind of that feeling of being overwhelmed when you walk on a set and you see all of these people and you see these massive lighting rigs and the camera rigs and all the sound equipment you know uh there is like you know of course i would pick up on that but also more just as a whole what it means to run a set yeah, so one of the most fascinating, you know, elements of being on set is really seeing the relationships between 
uh, a director and a writer, a producer and a writer, you know, getting to see how they view the movie or the, the series that they're building. And then at the end of the day, just surveying my parents' relationship with it. Like, you know, what was the most effective for them? And so, yeah, so I I think being on set and being around my parents definitely had an influence on my career path. It was it was inevitable that I was going to be not just in the entertainment business, but in the the film and TV business, Uh, you know, wherever I was, writer, director, producer, actor, I knew that feeling that I had when I was on set, I would just have to replicate as much as possible. Other than being around film and TV, who would you say are your like director, screenwriter inspirations that you had uh, before you started writing? Yeah. So I would say the first time that I was, that I was really, that I started to look at a director's filmography because, you know, you see these movies, you know, they're these famous directors, you know, when you're younger, you don't always put them together as a part of a filmography. The first time that I really started to look at that was with the Coen brothers. Uh, I think I was watching A Serious Man for my first time. And I was just like, hold on. These are the same guys who did Fargo. Fargo. These are the same guys who did No Country for Old Men and Raising Arizona. Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski. It's like their versatility is out of this freaking world. And so in terms of, you know, dark comedy and and how they kind of like build thrilling aspects through almost absurdist premises, that was a major inspiration uh, when it comes to uh, my writing style. Like I like to say Fargo inspired my writing and No Country for Old Men inspired my directing. And also just like what they do that that I think what they do so well is just that feeling of shock that you just get when you're watching a movie for the first time. Like the wood chipper, you yeah. know, that's a moment that sticks with us. That's a jaw-dropping moment. And so coin toss, you know, oh like moments gosh. like yeah. those. That's it's, probably one of the creepiest scene well javier bardem is so amazing in that scene but that scene alone you're you're you know it's a movie but you're like frightened yourself for the guy behind the counter oh yeah it's it's no it's that it's kind of a beautiful movie in so many ways because they create one of the most unsettling upsetting scenes with two guys talking about a coin toss, no violence, you know, and yet it is one of the most like psychologically violent scenes to have ever been on screen, because even though no one's, you know, getting stabbed or anything like they do later in the movie, you can see how Javier Bardem is purposefully driving this man crazy, you know, with the peanut wrapper and stuff like that. And one of my other major inspirations is Jordan Peele. Uh, what he did with Get Out, I think, is one of the greatest cinematic achievements of all time. I mean, to do what he did, not only at the time that he did it, not only to do it, period, but to do it for $4 million, I think, is one of the most brave uh, steps anyone has taken. And it and, just came out of left field. 
Like I, I had no idea he was a, a screenwriter director because I love Kean Peel his show, and he's just a comedic guy, yes. you know, a comedy. And you're like, he's doing a horror movie. Like I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was like, I'll give it a shot, and I think it was, I don't know, it's like my number two movie of that year. Yeah, that that was an amazing movie, and even us, I still really liked it. And nope, uh, yeah. I really liked Nope. Yeah, did you like Nope? The experience of seeing Nope, especially in a packed theater. I think I was uptown opening night in IMAX. It was a 450 seat theater. I was with Adam Piacente from Go or No Go. Shout out to him. And we were just like blown away because yeah. it wasn't just a masterfully crafted film. It's not just my favorite sibling movie ever and getting to see that with my sister was the best yeah. but it's he created an experience that we hadn't really had in the movie theaters uh so far because it's it reaches so many genres it's so emotionally impactful you know and it has those moments that you want in the theater you know where things are unexpected you know you don't know what can happen and so just seeing his trajectory of going from this small film, Get Out, making these massive waves to Nope, which is, I think, like a $70 million budget, you know, like basically UFO Western shot on IMAX yeah. by one of the greatest cinematographers of our time. And also for Daniel Kaluuya to come back. Yeah. Well, actually, for both of them to come back with Oscars. And I just loved and admired it so much. I adore it so much. I could go on about it for hours. <laughs> you know, what I loved about it is that for me, like I've mentioned everybody in the pod who listens to the podcast know that I've, you know, horror is my least favorite genre. But I do think the last 10 years we've gotten some amazing horror films. But what I liked about Nope is that, and what I like about horror movies that do this is that they scare you without actually doing anything to scare you. There is some I'm scenes so in Nope. And there's some scenes in Nope where like there's one scene in the barn and you're like gonna crap your pants, but it's just not it's nothing. But is that, just the, is that the, the setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's get to your new film that's coming out next year, Atribilius. Is this something that you wrote? after 40 winks or was it something you had in mind while you were doing 40 winks yeah so i was i mean so i had this idea of kind of in the same way that i was like the idea of the hypnotist is so cinematically you know pleasing i thought the same thing about a bartender but i was like what's the spin that i can put on it the idea of some kind of secret, almost sanctuary that you could go to where you could kind of have all your troubles washed away without those negative effects of alcohol. That was a really cool and enticing idea that I kind of just thought of. And then I would say it was late winter 2021 that I really started conceptualizing and then I just went off. I wrote this script. I did it in two and a half days. But then I started casting in probably about a year ago. So Leon Addison Brown, who plays the lead, 
after he was in 40 winks as wesley i was just like how has this man never led a film before like he's just so captivating and so focused and i'm not gonna you know kind of market it as a horror movie because it is really a psychological thriller dark comedy and i was uh, contacting with mpaa for a rating I mean, with Lewis Black, you know, like he gives us our, our rating in that one scene because every other word is an F-bomb. Yeah, uh, you sent me a, uh, it was like a seven minute teaser yeah, clip yes, and I didn't know, like, again, I didn't know who was, who was in the movie. So I pressed play and I go, oh, this is a comedy, it's Lewis Black. <laughs> and then while yeah. it's going, it's going like, oh, wait a minute, it's not a comedy, this is more psychological suspense especially when you see jeffrey wright and leon anderson brown sitting down you're like this is more of a thriller kind of vibe to it yeah it's crazy because sometimes you see people and you recognize them for one genre and then you're like oh this is a comedy this is a lewis black and you know 15 seconds in you're like well he's not being funny he's pissed yeah (laughs) yeah no (laughs) But yeah, and and that's enough. I mean, I got so lucky with this cast. I mean, it's insane. Like, I say every other scene, you see someone that you know from a million things. I mean, so I see, some- I see. Um, you have Whoopi Goldberg, Alec Baldwin. Are they in the movie a lot, or did just have little cameos? So Whoopi's in it just a little bit less than Susan is in 40 wanks. Whoopi, she has two scenes, but they're two pretty meaty, like six minute scenes. Alec appears for one, like five minute scene. Jeffrey Wright is in, I think like two or three and Lewis Black comes back. So the only person that really only appears for one scene is Alec. And that's a very similar scene to the Turturro scene. Yeah. Um, You know, it's a funny experience editing it because you spend so much time with them, even though you're not really with them. Uh, And so it's like, you know, you're spending your day with them, but they don't know that. Yeah. Uh, So just editing those conversations uh, is is a lot of fun. And and it's been one thing that's pretty cool about it is it's all interior. So there are no exteriors in the whole movie. I think there are some establishing shots near the very end. But uh, for the meat of the movie... Not only uh, do you never go outside, but you never see outside uh, because it's about this character's, you know, almost obsession with grief and kind of, you know, his relationship with it being indoors, you know, like. So like kind of like the walls are closing in on them. Exactly. So is it true about the rating? I've always read this and I wanted to ask, is it you're allowed one f-bomb and then if you have more than one it's a rated r i mean i mean uh, a pg-13 you could say one f-bomb anything above that it has to go read it is that true for the most part yes uh what i will say is glass onion has two they got away with it though because that's that is a that is definitely a uh pg-13 i think but yeah it's it's i i think it's typically like one or two um is the max and i think we hit probably plus 50 
so okay. uh, <laughs> but, so uh, there's no way though that's rated r for sure oh it's it's definitely there's one moment of violence that would get its r rating on its own and okay and a lot of it is like nope because with nope you never really see anything really what it is is it's you know you, you see you see part of what's happening you hear the gruesome sounds and then you see the aftermath yeah. but you never really see like yeah, with the act. you never see it really yeah. so that's what this is for the most part there are some things that are just like oh my god you're going to be working on post-production and editing and all that stuff do you have something in mind for like 2024 or are you taking a break next year just to work on Atribilius or is there something in the works that you have? So there are two things in the works. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's a murder mystery uh, inspired by And Then There Were None set during uh, the 1970s in Poland. And it's about this, this winter storm that leads to a bunch of people being trapped inside of a cottage. Trapped inside this cottage is someone with malcontent. And then another thing that I'm working on, I will describe as a sci-fi musical period piece. All right, that has me intrigued now. <laughs> sci-fi is my favorite genre. Once you said sci-fi, I'm like, okay, I'm in. Yeah, and there's definitely <laughs> a little sci-fi in Atrabilis, too. Cool. Uh, I'll just say that. So looking through, uh, I was looking through your IMDb, and I saw like a, you know, Atrabilis uh, trivia Really? And I saw, yeah, I think it's one little sentence that says your sister, Ash Parker, wrote and recorded an original song. I'm so freaking proud of her. Uh, yeah, she did. So she's um, the singer of the family? She's just a musician on every level. Okay. Uh, she, uh, she plays the harp, the flute, the piano, the guitar, the ukulele, um, and she sings. And it's I say it's unfair. I say leave some talent for other people because it's just it's too much. She yeah, younger she, than you or older? Yeah, she's younger. Uh she's she's sixteen now. Okay. Uh, or she's about to be. Yeah. Is she going to school for music? Yeah. Uh she I mean, I'm I'm at Emerson right now at Boston in boston and i really and she really wants to go to berkeley which would just be so awesome yeah. uh for us both to be here the opening like minute and a half she wrote the song she yeah she did all the music for it it's amazing was this her idea or did you ask i i asked her i was like can you do an original song for this and she was like yeah and and then i just kind of i gave her some some songs for reference kind of i told her tonally what the movie was but yeah no she she just went away and just did it and i couldn't be more proud of her i mean it's just it's amazing that is that is pretty awesome so emerson is that a just a regular is that a, just a regular university or is that a film school um i mean it's it's definitely known for its film program and comedy program so like henry winkler and jennifer coolidge went here um, I think Paul Thomas Anderson was here for a semester. Uh, but then the most notable thing is uh, Daniels went here. And yeah, so so I'm just, I'm loving it here, getting to collaborate with my peers. It's just been amazing. I've, I've loved it here so much and I love Boston. And uh, hmm. yeah. So you were born and raised in New York? Yeah, born and raised in New York. So we have that in common. 
Yeah. No, it's it's. I'm, I mean, New York will always hold that special place in my heart. So, are you a sports guy? I'm not. Okay, is, so you probably uh, probably saves you from all the Boston New York rivalry. That's pretty intense. Oh yeah, no, that it's it's absolutely insane, and I'm I'm glad I'm not on one side or the other because otherwise I'd just be. I mean, like it would just be a constant conflict, you know. Yeah, it would be like Romeo and Juliet, you know. But uh, it's You're like I'm gonna be neutral here in this war. I'm, I'm gonna be neutral. I'm not yeah, gonna be Sweden. Yeah, I'm gonna be. I'll be Sweden. Uh, with that, we're gonna head out, and I just want well, I just want to really thank you for coming on the real spotlight. I really appreciate it. Thank you for sending me your movie last or earlier this year to check it out, and I am really excited for Atribilius that comes out next year. Uh, so yeah, thank you again. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. So where can people find you on social media? Where can they find 40 Winks? Yeah, so uh, 40 Winks, I th- right now it's on, you can rent it on Amazon Prime and Apple TV Plus, and then it's free to stream on Tubi. Uh, I think it's going to be on Canopy soon, which was super exciting. But yeah, definitely go and check that out. It's 80 minutes, so it's super quick, as you know. Atribilius, I'll give out more details about that as it comes. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram at Productions, And that's River, S-T-Y-X. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Uh, again, I appreciate it. Um, I'll put all the links to the movie and your Instagram on the description in the episode. So. Thanks again to Will. We wish him luck with his new movie and his movie that's out. Mania, why don't we talk about your real recommendation that you gave me <laughs> two weeks ago, actually? Yeah. <laughs> Sunshine, directed by Danny Boyle. Yes. I'm nervous, but honestly, I'm prepared for this to go either way. <laughs> so, okay. hit, so hit me, Tony. <laughs> so the other day, I started watching it. Actually, I asked my wife, I said, do you want to watch the movie? And she's like, what is it? <laughs> Mania's movie? Is it a super scary one? I'm like, no, it's not. It's a sci-fi. She's like, okay. And I showed her the, the trailer, the cast and all oh, that. Oh, okay. <laughs> and she's like, okay. I was excited to see this movie. I didn't even know Danny Boyle was the director until you told me mm-hmm. the last podcast. This movie is in my wheelhouse, sci-fi in space. I, the cast is is really good. You know, Killian Murphy, Rose Byrne, Chris, a young Chris Evans, a young Benedict Wong, <laughs> <laughs> Michelle Yao, Hiroyuki Sanada. Everybody brought their A game in the movie. I was digging this movie all the way. Everything about it, the story, the action, the interplay between the characters. And then for some <laughs> reason, this twist came out of nowhere and it became like this mini horror movie and i go what is happening to this movie i did not (laughs) like that part i'm sorry no it's okay to be honest i've seen that argument many 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 times that how the third act kind of falls apart for the movie i personally like it and i think that like it caught me off guard the first time i watched it but i've seen this this is one of those movies that i've seen so many times and each time i watch it i like love it even more if you had Mm -hmm. if you had the same third act without Mm -hmm. the quote monster mark strong Mm -hmm. it would have been fine you could have done something 
have the same plot and the same storyline, figure out a way to have mm-hmm. them in those same situations. But without that, it just felt weird. Like if it would have been from the beginning that he was this guy in the ship, you mm-hmm. know, lurking around and sabotaging. <laughs> How would he have been in the ship though? <laughs> no, or something. Or, or I, I don't know. I just like, I wouldn't okay. say, I, I wouldn't not, say, not I, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm disappointed because I don't think me not liking this character mm-hmm. is going to, Made me not like the movie overall because it's it's not I I like the movie right, but I just thought why <laughs> why, and it's just it gave me the vibe I had vibes of like the abyss I have the alien hmm. Martian all these movies I felt like okay this is great all this great sci fi stuff and I just think the that last scene that last scene yeah not, no, not honestly- the last the last like arc right a, a kind of a letdown i i was just saying yeah. letdown not like i'm mad mm-hmm. about it but let me just say that my wife once <laughs> that guy comes out she's like what's going on are you liking this <laughs> and i go yeah i'm liking it and i <laughs> so yeah that's my take on sunshine but how good was the score i thought the music in the movie is so freaking good Oh, and yeah, the cast honestly is such an all-star cast, and I feel like most of these people, this was their like first breakthrough role, almost. Yeah, it's a lot of young people. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, everything about the movie, you know, all the technical aspects were were on point. Why? <laughs> why? How would you rate it, Tony? I'm still gonna do a seven point five, believe it or not. Okay. And I actually can't believe I never had seen the movie before. Like you would have thought, oh, I'm sure you've seen this, right? A sci-fi by Danny Boyle. Yeah, that's why I honestly wanted, like, that's why this was my recommendation to you. Because not because I was like, oh, Tony will love it for sure. It was more like he loves sci-fi and he hasn't seen this, so I'm gonna make sure he watches this. <laughs> keep those coming. Just yeah. keep asking me, even if it's horror, sci-fi. I don't care. Uh-huh. Just okay, that's noted. Uh- <laughs> but what's <laughs> What's your recommendation for me next week? <laughs> In episode three of The Real Spotlight, <laughs> when we had uh, Quinn as our guest, you mentioned something that blew our brains. No, I know what's coming. No. <laughs> and you said, I've never seen a Martin Scorsese movie. And oh, boy. <laughs> it's oh coming, boy. Mania. You're going to make me sit through a three hour long movie. <laughs> Okay, it's not three hours, Mania. It is two hours and 25 minutes total, which means it's less than two hours and 20 minutes when you take the credits out. All right, there's there's not it? there's not 10 minutes of credits nowadays. Like, what is all it? The Marvel movies. Just give it to me. <laughs> it's Goodfellas. I knew it. I knew this was coming. <laughs> of course it's coming. And you know what's coming in the future is going to be Saving Private Ryan. So get ready for that. Oh. I won't do that next. I won't. That's going to be in the future, but just make Bye. sure to be ready for that. So let's get to these trailers that came out. I mean, a so lot of trailers. trailers. Yes. <laughs> okay. I want to start off by talking about Cocaine Bear because this movie looks so ridiculous <laughs> that I almost can't believe it's a real movie. Um, did you watch You watched the trailer, right? <laughs> I watched it the other day. I've known about this movie because Elizabeth Banks or mm-hmm. I forgot who she's the yeah. director. Yes. Somebody posted a a story and I go, this can't be real. 
Mm-hmm. And then I went to her like IG page. She's like, "Oh yeah, I'm directing this movie." I'm like, "Oh my god!" And then I saw the trailer, and like you said, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That it looks so, it looks so bad that I have to see it in theaters the first <laughs> exactly. day. Exactly. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I'm almost glad that they didn't go down the serious route with it, or at least it didn't seem like it from the trailer. Just because, again, I can't believe this is even based on a true story. Yeah, I-, I am excited for it only because it looks like a fun time and I'm all for that. But I'm not expecting it to be groundbreaking, Oscar-worthy I, great. <laughs> no, I think this is going to be one of those movies that it's going to have like a 28% critic yeah. score and a 95% but audience. It's going to have, yeah, it's going to have a cult following for sure. I see that. <laughs> I did read about they actually have the bear in like in a music like a mall in Kentucky, like oh displayed. Uh, yeah, that's pretty insane. Uh, even but the cast has like oh yeah, it has a great cast. I'm like cool. Alden Ehrenreich, the guy who played Han Solo's in it, yeah. Harry Russell, uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Is that the guy's name from Modern Family? I didn't even know it was him. Was it? I didn't even recognize. The yeah. guy is the guy in the tree. Oh my god, he has like a southern accent. Yeah, anyway, honestly, yeah, it looks it looks dumb, but I'm all for it. <laughs> this is one of those when you hear the term "turn your brain off." Yep. this is that's exactly what the this definition is be. <laughs> of that. Um, let's next. I have Transformers: Rise of the Beast, and okay, I'll be honest, I haven't seen any of the Transformers movies ever, not even the first one. But you have not seen. Any? I have not seen any of them. Well, it's, well is lucky, that gonna? <laughs> lucky you. But I'll tell you this much, this trailer looked dumb. No, it looks exactly like every other Michael Bay Transformer movie. It just looked so cheesy, like very cheesy. I couldn't believe I watched. I went to the theater in what, 2007 to see the first one because I was excited. I grew up watching the cartoons. I got to tell you the first five, 10 minutes of the first movie. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be incredible. Mm-hmm. And then it just went downhill after that. Oh, no. Seeing like robots <laughs> playing peekaboo with the house and the dog. I'm like, what are we doing here? The second one is. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> no, but <laughs> the second one is, is God awful. Mm-hmm. The third one is digestible. <laughs> yeah. I can see it and I'm okay watching it. The fourth and fifth one are horrifically bad mm-hmm. if you ever watch the, these movies you're gonna want to turn off the tv after 20 minutes for the fourth and the fifth one. Oh no but then you have bumblebee mm-hmm. with Haley steinfeld and that was a really good movie i heard that but do i need to watch the rest of them for that to make sense why torture yourself no but i'm just asking or is that like a, would you consider that a standalone movie that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I would just say watch the first Transformers movie. Okay. From 07 and just go watch Bumblebee. Okay. But watching this trailer, I have no desire to go watch this. Yeah, me neither. And, I mean, clearly I haven't seen all the other ones. And I, I love the fact that Anthony Ramos is starring in the movie. Good for him. He's the guy from In the Heights. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who played, he was in the, the Hamilton musical, the original cast. I love that he's getting a lead in this, but this movie is not going to make any money. 
not watch, like watch it be your movie of the year. <laughs> watch it make a billion. But you know what? What the crazy part is that the first four Transformers movies, mm-hmm. I think made they all made over a billion dollars. That's crazy. And well, I think, think that's why they they kept Par- making yeah. them. Uh-huh. And I think it's a lot of parents taking their kids to yeah. see it too. So there is that also. But because yeah, those those four those movies are just nonstop stimulation of robots, uh, and you're you, like, what's going on here? Did you watch Pacific Rim one and two? I like Pacific Rim the first one a lot. Okay, yeah, I do too. But uh, are they like that the movies or no? They're a billion times <laughs> worse in terms of like. There's so much going on. You don't even <laughs> see like like them the robots transforming don't make any sense. I don't want to go on a tangent of Transformers, but all right, we won't do that. Um, <laughs> all right, let's go on to the next trailer, uh, which was Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I'll let you go first on this one. I love Indy. I love Raiders of the Lost Ark. And yes, I still love Temple of Doom. I know a lot of people have a lot of issues with it, and I understand. I absolutely adore The Last Crusade, and I absolutely <laughs> loathe Crystal Skull. I cannot believe that George and Steven did this to us. But when I found out they were making Indy 5, I first thought, no, please, for the love of all that's holy, no, we don't need this. This man is almost 80-something. He is, he is over 80. And then I found out, that James Mangold was going to direct the movie and that Mads Milkinson was going to be in it, that Phoebe Waller-Bridge was going to be in it, that Sala was coming back, John Reese davis and Antonio Banderas was going to be in it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to like this. And then I found out that they're going to do like a few scenes of the aging. And I got to tell you, I watched this trailer and I was my face was just lighting up. I went back to being a kid. And especially mm-hmm. when that music pops up and the theme. I love seeing all the old characters back. I don't know how it's going to go with the action scenes. Maybe silly, but I trust in everybody involved. And I think this is, I read that this is the first indie movie that doesn't have Spielberg or Lucas writing, involved, producing, yeah. and directing. I think they're like executive producers, but that's pretty much it. Um, your thoughts? So as somebody who has never seen any Indiana Jones movie. What the F? <laughs> I changed my I... real recommendation. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm honestly going to change it for real. Your next movie is Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's it. <laughs> That's your recommendation. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> How the heck? Why... <laughs> That's why I What had is you Tommy doing over there? He's trying. I swear he's trying. Again, he even bought these on like 4K steel books, and he's like, "Now you get to watch them in 4K." <laughs> wow, my like, I, I literally <laughs> want to like shut this podcast off right now. <laughs> but that's why I had you go first because I knew oh. once I said that you would lose it. But um, with that said, I didn't feel much watching this trailer because I have no connection to the originals. Yeah, <laughs> but. With that said, it still did look like a fun time. I can't say anything much beyond that, but yeah, it looks like a fun time. <laughs> but are you for reals? You're changing the real Yes, record? I'm changing my recommendation. Okay. You're going to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. <laughs> I'm flabbergasted right now. Honestly, everybody. I literally <laughs> don't know what to say. 
<laughs> I'm staring into the void. I can't even look money in the eyes. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I'm going to cough from laughing. <laughs> All right, I'll watch it. I promise. <laughs> let's, let's have you move on from that trauma of me not seeing Indiana Jones and talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 trailer that came out, I believe, last week. My goodness, this trailer gave me so many feels. <laughs> How about you? Did you get that feeling from it? <laughs> I think when we reviewed Wakanda Forever, mm-hmm. I almost went into a rant that didn't make the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I'll, I'm not going to rant now. But I mentioned that I think I'm done watching MCU movies in the theater because I'm mm-hmm. not, there's no excitement for me anymore except for this movie. While seeing this trailer, all I thought was everybody needs to get ready mm-hmm. to be emotionally drained mm-hmm. because this is going to be the last time we see a few characters. Yeah, I definitely think we're going to see a few characters die. <laughs> and- uh, we know for sure Bautista said this is his last movie. So that's yeah. kind of that kind of sucks that he said that before the movie because that would have been more of a yeah but we don't know it could just be because it's the last one that james gunn's making they'll kill him off because they could still come out in avengers movies in the future All right. okay and i think rocket's gone i think rocket's gonna be a goner too this yeah this trailer definitely punched me in the feels and I just love how James Gunn does the superhero movies in general. Yeah. So I'm excited. Like I messaged you when you posted about it. I was like, in James Gunn, we trust. <laughs> this yeah. this trailer is just letting everybody know, okay, be ready. Prepare yourself. Bring your box of tissues. <laughs> Moving on from one emotional trailer to another, and it's our last one we're going to talk about. It's HBO Max's The Last of Us TV show that's going to come out. I know you never played the games, <laughs> but let me tell you, these games literally made me cry. The game alone made me cry. So I'm going to prepare you, Tony, for a lot of emotional shit that's going to go down in the show. <laughs> right before we press record, I told Mania, oh, I haven't watched it yet. And she's like, watch it right now. <laughs> so I set it up in the Zoom thing to share the screen so we could watch the trailer together. I think halfway through, I said, I got goosebumps right here. <laughs> Yeah, and there was, like, a lot of controversy around, like, who they casted as, like, the core cast. Well, when I say core cast, I mean as Ellie and Joel. And I had my doubts about it, but seeing this trailer, those doubts, out the window. Like, yeah. I am I, I'm sold. I'm 100% sold. I think this is going to be fantastic. Yeah, I think Bella Ramsey, who plays Liana Mormont in Game of Thrones, and she pretty much stole every single scene she was in. Mm-hmm. So casting her was brilliant. Pedro Pascal is just so lovable. I could tell that he's going to be amazing in this. What I could see from the trailer was it looks amazing. The music, the production, everything looks top notch. So I'm really excited about this. Yeah. And honestly, when it comes to video game um, adaptations to movies or TV shows, they tend to be really cheesy. But this almost just from the trailer alone, I could tell they stayed true to the game, but they like stirred away from that cheesy, oh, we got to make everything look like a replica. I don't know. I just To me, everything worked. And yeah, she even like her acting and all that reminded me so much of the Ellie in the video games. I'm, I'm excited. And I think we're going to be talking about this 
in our future episodes when the like the TV show episodes get released. Yeah, once I <laughs> once the trailer was done, I said, "Yeah, we're going to be reviewing these episodes in the <laughs> mm-hmm. podcast." So, I haven't read about the production or anything about it. Is this going to be one season and that's it? Or are I, they going to do multiple seasons? Considering the video game has been part one and part two, I think this is definitely going to be a multi-season. Has HBO said how many episodes they'll be in season one? Or? Yeah, it's going to be 10 episodes. And if you go on their IMDb, actually, it says like 2023 and then dash and nothing. So I, I, I am assuming it is up for a few seasons if it gets renewed, of course. Uh, but yeah, season one's going to be, or whatever it's coming out, it's going to be 10 episodes. It's going to be interesting that the tables will be turned for this show because with <laughs> House of the Dragon, I read the book and you didn't. So I kind of knew what was going to go on. I was mm-hmm. excited to see your reaction to you know all the episodes. And now this one, I have no idea what's going to go on. I never played the game like you mentioned. So yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, once the season's done, I'll I'll see how far they get into it. And if they do finish like the first game's arc, I will send you the cinematic cutscenes of the game because it's just so good. <laughs> like, I don't know, those voice actors and stuff do a great job and you should watch it. So we wanted to mention that we did promo last week on Instagram that we were going to talk about Andor and 1899. But then... Unfortunately, Mania fell under the weather, so he had to postpone the recordings. So I did this interview with uh, Will Parker, and I just figured, let's just drop this episode, and then let's just add the real recommendations and just talk about trailers. So for episode 15, we will focus on Andor and 1899. And then for the week of Christmas, we'll be dropping a special holiday episode. (laughs) I'm excited for that one. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a lot of um, Christmassy and holiday talk. All right, Mani. So why don't we head out and let these peeps know where they can find us? You guys can head on to Instagram. Our username is the underscore real spotlight. And over there, we have a link tree that will give you the link to everything and everywhere you can find us. Also, we want to thank William Atticus Parker one more time for joining us and letting us interview him and get insight on his movie. And we're going to have his Instagram and also the link to his movie in the episode description. Thank you for listening to episode 14. Until next time. Peace out.